When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome back to the Sideline Podcast with Coach Steve. And, of course, it's Coach Steve. Um, I have another guest on. I have another fellow O-line coach. I have Coach McHugh with me. Uh, never met Coach McHugh, but we're not that far away from each other. Uh, we're both up in the suburbs of Illinois. We've probably walked by each other and never even knew it at a clinic <laughs> or something. Um, so, Coach, if you want to introduce yourself, I have about five. I think I have six listeners now. So if you want to introduce yourself to them, uh, go right ahead. Well, I'm I'm uh, very honored and excited to be here on uh, on your podcast today. Uh, like you said, my name is uh, Coach McHugh. Uh, I'm at uh, Hinsdale Central High School in Illinois, not too far from uh, from where you're at uh, with your job. But we and you connected on Twitter, and I know you're at uh, Addison Trail, so same conference. But yeah, you know, not too far apart. Probably definitely seen you at one of the Glazier clinics or whatnot, and. Uh, I know we've been trying to get together and do something like this for a while, so I'm just excited to be able to get on and do this with you today. And uh, hopefully, you know, both O-line coaches, so that's that's a big start right there. So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, uh, that's the power of social media. I always tell people you can get on there, be negative, or use it for good. And, you know, we've said things back and forth to each other. Um, we use the positive side of it to meet this way, which – you know, when we were growing up, this never would have happened on social yep. media, but here we are. Uh, yeah, so coaches at a Hensdale Central, uh, people in Illinois probably know about them being a nice powerhouse. Um, we'll get to that soon. Uh, but, yeah, it's funny. Uh, me being at Addison Trail in the same conference, but I think we're on the other side of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my first time joining that conference. Coach will be your second year, I believe, or it might mm-hmm. be your third because I know you're at a different school, but we'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um so I'm always curious how people get into coaching. Um, Cause I know for me, I've wanted to do it since I was 16 years old. And 
So I'm always curious how people get into coaching because it takes a lot of time. It's a lot of headaches. It's a lot of gray hairs that pop up, um, but it's all mm-hmm. worth it. So I'm always curious, was it from playing? Was it from a particular coach you had or a mentor? Or how did you get into this crazy profession that we get ourselves in? Yeah, you know, it's that's uh, I mean, that's a great question. And, and uh, I think you know, I was kind of the same age, like you said, about 16. Uh, when I was playing in high school, you know, I, I had I had some, some, you know, decent coaches, but, you know, it was uh, – player i wanted to go as far as i could but uh just being around the game it was something i always wanted to stay a part of but when i got to college i was lucky to play college at saint xavier university uh really what what kind of turned me on to wanting to be a coach when my career was done was my o-line coach and head coach and all the coaches i played for at saint xavier uh coach feminist who's still there coach yannel who's still there he's the o-line coach and offensive coordinator uh those guys you know just playing for him and watching the way they ran a program and with uh, coach feminist when he recruited me and everything, it kind of definitely uh, showed me that being a coach was something that, you know, was a, a quality, you know, profession and a calling to do going forward. And, and it was something that could keep me in the game. And then being with coach uh, Yannel, watching him running the offensive line room and just kind of how he treated us as players and as, as, as young men and, just the way he was, that was, you know, work, playing for him and being around him was, was what made me want to, want to join a coach when I was done playing. It was, it was some coaches in college and then just loving the game so much that I knew, you know, when you, you as a player, very, you know, I, for me, it was ending college and all that. Uh, I definitely wanted to stay part of the game. So. Yeah. Uh, I remember one to coach and people tell me in high school, why would you do that? That, you know, guys I played with, that takes too much time. You know, you're on the heat, but you know what? It's a good time. Uh, you're yeah. around the game. You can help those kids. Yeah, I'm always curious. Um, so you need to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you're not a teacher, correct? No, no, uh, I am. Uh, I'm currently a Cook County Sheriff's deputy. Uh, okay. Around the same time I started coaching. Okay, yeah, so that's my next question. Um, I was an offensive coordinator for a few years at Charleston High School, and I was not in the building either. I was outside the building. Mm-hmm. I've actually never worked in the school building at the same place I've coached at yet. Um, so I was just wondering what kind of challenges or maybe advantages you have not being a teacher, because a lot of people say you have to be a teacher to be a coach, but I kind of am the opposite. I don't think you mm-hmm. have to be a teacher. I think you just have to know how to relate to kids and everything else. So maybe what's maybe advantages or disadvantages of not being a teacher and trying to coach at the high school? Right. I mean, the, some of the advantages just that I've had uh, through where I've been, you know, not being a teacher, you're, you're able to kind of, you know, be there, you know, at certain, you know, times, times of the day where maybe other coaches will have to be teaching. So you're able to kind of get in there and, and work with, you know, some of the players that they're off or some of the, or organize some stuff, for, you know, for the game or for that practice, and get a little more extra prep time in. Um, you know, not being a teacher, also, I think it kind of, you know, it allows you a little flexibility. Where, you know, some, you know, schools, you know, they want teachers, but you know, not teacher. You're kind of able to kind of, you know, they don't really, they don't really need to pay your, you know, your benefits, your pension, and all that stuff. So it's kind of easier for the school to kind of go, okay, we've got this guy. So as long as you pass, obviously, all those background stuff, it kind of allows you to kind of come in and, and, and coach. And I think it also, you know, as a teacher, you know, you've got, you know, 
school, you know, teach, which is obviously the main job, but a football coach and a teacher, you know, and for me, you know, it's been, I've been lucky to have the time needed to be able to coach and, and still obviously get paid for my, my other job. But during football season, I've always been lucky where I've been, I've been able to kind of have duties that allow me to focus more so on coaching than anything. So it kind of, kind of allows me to focus more on football during that season than, uh, than what a, a normal teacher may or may not be able to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, because people always say, like, you need to be a teacher to be a head coach, or you always need to be a teacher to do this or that. And I always said they're two different jobs. Um, teaching a classroom is different than coaching football and teaching them those life lessons are a little different from each other. You know, you always see the teacher side and the coach side. So I always thought you could be a good coach with not being a teacher. But what do I know? I'm just an online coach. I don't know anything. <laughs> right. Um, so tell me how you end up at Hensdale Center. I know at one point uh, – I'm probably going to have myself, but you did coach at York Community High School in Elmhurst. Mm-hmm. And that year, I almost coached with you. I was working at Sandberg Middle School right down the street. Oh, okay. Oh, and awesome. the, the funny thing was, not to talk bad about Elmhurst, um, they had just passed a rule that um, to be a paid coach, or since I was working in the district and I wasn't a teacher, I couldn't coach there. Mm. But if I was outside the district, I could. It was a very, a very strange thing that got passed. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't bring me on. So I had to go over to Glen, uh, Glenbard East that year. Oh, okay. So so I almost coached with you guys that year. But yeah. uh, uh, I just wanted to know, how did you end up at Hensdale Central? Like what coaching stops have you made to get to Hensdale Central? Which if people don't know – even I knew grew up in central Illinois. That's, that's a football school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's a great school, Hinsdale central. I'm, I'm very lucky and blessed to be there. Uh, but, uh, my first, my first coaching stop, uh, you know, I've been coaching. This will be, I think my 12th season coaching. Um, I did a grammar school my first year, kind of right out of college. And then, uh, in 2009, I, I was hired at, at uh, Marist high school by coach Pat Dunn. Uh, he gave me my first my first opportunity there. I was uh, brought in as a freshman O line coach there, and uh, I was there for almost ten years. Uh, coached all three levels there. Um, I was the sophomore coach and the sophomore O line coach right before I left. Uh, and uh, the head coach at York, uh, Mike Fitzgerald, he was our OC at Marist, and me and him had worked together there. So when he got the job at York, uh, me and him spoke, and and he wanted to. Uh, you know, I went out there with him. Uh, obviously, he wanted to get back coach with him. He was a great uh, offensive mind and a great guy, and he's a good friend of mine. And so I got out to York with him for that one year. And kind of going back to your rule, uh, what you were talking about with York, how they passed that rule in terms of getting paid or be a paid coach. I went out there with him for uh, for free because uh, he was having issues with money and stipend coaches at the district at the time. I went out there with him for free just because I wanted to get back coaching. Uh, varsity football again and uh so i spent that season out there in, in elmhurst at york and at the time it was uh, you know a program that needed to be rebuilt so uh, i was there working with some great coaches there with uh at york and we kind of we went from uh one and eight season to uh four and five so a, a good turnaround with some good kids and and then that off season how i ended up at hinsdale that off season was that referendum in hinsdale where they threatened to cancel the Hinsdale Central and Hinsdale South football teams. So uh, when the head coach there at the time, 
Coach Hartman left to go to Lions Township, he uh, he brought some coaches up, and he brought the O-line coach with him to LT. Coach Griffin, our head coach at Hinsdale Central, got the job, and I just happened to apply there, kind of wanting to see if I could get a stipend position, but also knowing Hinsdale Central, you know, being the traditional powerhouse in football and and as an O-line coach, seeing the quality of offensive linemen that have come out of Hinsdale Central over the years, you know, it's just one of those jobs that it was like, okay, if I can apply and maybe get there, you know, <laughs> why not take a shot? So I did and got lucky and Coach Griffin called me up and, and uh, got hired there and, and I've been lucky they'll be going into the second year here, hopefully in February and uh, can't say enough good things about Hinsdale Central and the people there and uh, just a great spot to be at. And like, and like you said earlier, and just a great conference, uh, both sides of the conference, you know, it's great, uh, great competition, and a lot of great quality teams. And coming from the East Suburban Catholic at the time, which is now the Catholic League, they all merged back together. Going from that to the West Suburban Conference, it's been uh, quality competition all the way around. I've been a high school coach, so can't beat it. <laughs> yeah, again, to Addison, uh, we don't play some of the teams you do, but one is Glenbard uh, West. Uh, mm-hmm. That that uh, that will be interesting for me. Uh, Oh, when, I at, when I was at Glenbard East, um, we went nine and zero that year, and then went, we won our first playoff game, and then the second playoff game was against East St. Louis. So uh, I'm going to compare it to East St. Louis a little bit. Yeah, uh, we we were ten and one after that. Uh, we were ten and zero, then ten and one after East St. Louis. Uh, I'm six foot five, and their safety looked me right in the eye, and I said, "This is not going to be fun." <laughs> this is not. Yep, that's. Well, you know you're in trouble those days. <laughs> yeah, they, they could blitz seven guys and play cover or play man cover zero the entire game. It was it was a sight to see. Oh yeah, uh, we we did score once, so I was proud of that. We scored. Um, so how did Hensel Central handle this whole COVID thing? Because not to get too into Illinois, but Illinois was all over the place mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with who was making the decisions. Uh, you know changing everything every twice a day, it seemed like. So how did Hensdale Central, how did you guys handle the COVID situation? Were you able to do things out on the field at all this summer? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, we kind of played the waiting game like most people did um, throughout Illinois. Uh, you know, we had to wait. We were, we were going to try to go in June when they initially came out with that uh, conditioning days, which then we pushed back because the district you know, wanted to come up with something. So we ended up, we were able to go uh, get about a three-week camp in, in July. We were able to get some uh, some parameters set where we were able to do, you know, non-contact drills, working with uh, working with hand shields and, and, you know, there were skilled players going on routes and air. And so we were able to get with the kids and just kind of, it was nice to reconnect with them. Everybody, of course, you know, we were wearing the masks, following all the guidelines, keeping, uh, you know, groups, groups apart. Um, so it was nice. And then the one thing that threw some more complications in for us this year at Hinsdale is our facilities are all being, you know, renovated. So we didn't have a, a home football field because our, our practice field and our game field were being returfed this year. So we had a field, uh, we had to go to Hinsdale South and use their field and, and they were thankful. They were uh, good to let us there and use that. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a logistical mess this year on top of uh, trying to run up, run it with COVID. So 
you know, we, but we got to do, we had a nice three week camp, good, uh, good turnout from all our kids and they had fun being out there throwing the football again. And, you know, it was always nice just to get out there and a little bit of normalcy during this, during this the day and age, you know? Yeah. People that don't know Illinois was, I'm not, I'm not going to soapbox, but it was all over the place. Um, but they kind of left it up to the district. So if your school district waited, uh, you had to wait. Some school districts at a snap of a finger had football on the field. Yeah. Some of us, I know at, at Addison, they kind of waited and we got about, they had about two and a half weeks, three weeks in, but it was just body weight workouts. There was nothing yeah. else. But uh, yeah, I was just curious because every school in Illinois was a little different. Um, yeah. So the last couple of people I've had on here, some coach O-line, uh, it's a weird question. Uh, so when I moved up to the suburbs about two and a half, three years ago, um, if I'm looking for a coaching job or if someone contacts me, they're always like, well, I need an O-line guy. I need an O-line guy. And I thought about it during this quarantine because you have a lot of time to think, you know, do a lot of people not want to coach offensive line anymore? Um mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of good old line coaches, but I'm kind of wondering, is there a, sh- a quote-unquote shortage? Do people not want to coach it? Do they want to be quarterbacks, wide receivers? Because that's what goes in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a coach made a good point to me. Like back in the day, some offensive coordinators were offensive linemen coaches. Yeah. Now you're seeing a lot of uh, offensive coordinators be quarterback coaches or wide receivers coaches. So is there like a shortage? Nobody wants to coach them anymore. Or am I just losing my mind during quarantine? <laughs> no, I mean I think it, it's a it's a good point. I think I think the way the game is kind of gone, and going back to like kind of like what you were saying, like co- coordinators are more and more co- uh, quarterback coaches or wide receiver coaches. I think with you know with the majority you know of what we see in high school, you know for the most part we all pretty much run some former version of a, of a spread offense. And, you know, those, which it's not saying all schools do, because you still still see a lot of schools that run the ball and run the ball well. And I, I just think with all the, the new, you know, formations and passing and this and stuff, I think a lot of coordinators are coming from the skill coaches ranks. So I think, you know, most younger coaches now want to be an offensive coordinator and a head coach. I think that they try to go that route where, I think the most one of the obviously I, I you know quarterback we all know you need a quality quarterback but I think that really the best the the most important position on your team is coming from the offensive line on on offense if you don't have an offensive line that can block and and you know effectively you know as well that can use proper technique and 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 run the plays correctly and and protect the quarterback and and all that stuff you're not going to have a very good offense no matter what position or or what offense you run and I think that the really good teams uh in high school and college and all that you the really quality good teams you see all have really good offensive line or uh, offensive line coaches that are uh that 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 are well sound in in how they coach that unit and and it translates on to how successful their offense is I mean Andy Reid uh with the with the Chiefs head coach of the Chiefs Super Bowl winning Chiefs I mean he was an offensive line offensive line guy and then he moved around to quarterback and all that stuff and now he's one of the considered one of the most brilliant offensive coaches in the game but you know he was an offensive line guy and and those I think I think that that I think that that's it was a it was a sought after thing like you said years ago and I think more and more now it's uh 
head coaches know they need they need the right guy as an offensive line coach. And I think that in high school, the way you know most schools do the hiring, I think that those are harder to come by each day. And I think that that's why when you find a qualified offensive line coach, I know I'm not a head coach, but if I was, that would be the first thing. You find that quality offensive line guy that can be there and it's going to not only just teach no technique, but also know how to coach those guys and reach those guys and, and, and turn those players into quality football players and quality young men. And I think that that kind of is where I think that that's kind of the lacking thing because most line coaches or most guys who coach O-line will do it for a little bit and then they'll want to move around. And I know, like you said, you're an O-line coach and, and I've been an offensive line coach the whole time. I've coached uh, a couple of years on the sophomore level at Marist. I've coached D-line when we had the position. I coached D-line and the linebackers one year on top of O-line. But I've always been an offensive line coach, been an offensive lineman, and I'd, and I'd, prefer, to, I'd prefer to stay in that position. <laughs> Yeah, when I was offensive coordinator the first time, uh, I originally didn't have a position. We had just enough volunteers or paid coaches. To, I didn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we had coaches, you know, life happens. They can't be at practice or work or whatever. So I've coached quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, linebackers, offensive line. But most of my time has been offensive line. And so when people are saying, I need an O-line guy, I'm like, does that help me get a job easier then, I guess? Because yeah. I coach O-line, nobody wants to do it. Or <laughs> or is it, like you said, is it that important where they're like, oh, he's done it. We need him on here to do it. Um, or is it just a Chicago suburb thing? I don't know. Maybe they need offensive line guys. I'm from Central Illinois. We, we come from the corn, you know. We come yeah. straight from the cornfields. <laughs> um, so if COVID wasn't a thing, what was our expectation this year for our Chicago Bears if COVID was oh. not a thing this year? <laughs> oh boy, I don't know. Uh, you know, I I like some of the some of the stuff they did in the off season. I like uh, that they brought in a, a quarterback who knows Maggie at least if he has to bench. I still think they're going to start Trubisky. I just I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not still sold, and I wasn't sold on their offensive line beforehand, and now going into what could be a COVID year. Um, you know, I was expecting, you know, I usually every year up until this point, I've always had six, no matter what, what uh, the, I've always, I've stuck with 10 and six and I'm leaning at eight and eight, nine and seven. So they'll, they'll probably then surprise me and, and make it 10 and six or 11 and five again. But I don't know the offensive line to me still is a position that, I mean, they've, I like James Daniels. I like Cody white here, but you've got, two tackles who I'm not very confident in in a right guard competition where I think the best player, Alex Bars, I don't think he's really been given a realistic shot uh, in that competition at right guard. So if that did, if they don't get that sold, you know, plus Montgomery going out, uh, you know, he's going to be at least a little dinged up heading into the season. Thankfully it wasn't serious, but I don't know. I, I don't see them. The defense I think will still be good. I just, I think they will be kind of what they were last year, 500 or, Maybe nine and seven, but I don't know. They they they, they beat me down those bears. <laughs> yeah, I said this, and some don't agree with me. The worst thing that could have happened was when we went twelve and four a couple of years ago. That was the worst thing because our expectations last year were so high because of that. And then there was just something about Trubisky. I don't like to talk bad about those type of guys because they're better than me. If I know more than me, but mm-hmm. when you 
I'm on my soapbox. When you watch him come up to the line and there's eight, nine in the box and you don't check it to a pass play, then I start to question. Oh, yeah. Do you not have rain to audible or do you just not recognize that there's eight or nine in the box? Right. But but I'm a coach, so I look at it that way. Like, oh, you know, are they seeing something I'm not seeing? It looks like there's eight in the box, seven in the box. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, those Bears, uh, it's tough to be a Bears fan. <laughs> yes, it is. I, they they give you that little bit of taste like that one year, like 2018, and then they, they go in that extended drought again, and then they'll give you a taste. I mean, they keep you along. They just keep you along for the misery. <laughs> yeah, that, that team that went 12-4, and four, I compared to the Super Bowl team that went – and lost to Peyton Manning, you know, the defense carries yes. them. You have a quarterback that is just enough to get you in there. Get you there, yep. Absolutely. We might have made it. We might have made it if we didn't miss the field goal, but I agree. That I field goal so. still haunts me at sleep. It haunts me at night, I think, that oh. field goal. Absolutely. But, you know, oh. I'm, I'm a University of Illinois fan, so I'm used to <laughs> used to that kind of stuff. You Growing up 20 minutes from the campus. <laughs> oh. Um. So here we're going to talk of football again. Um, so if you became an offense coordinator, are you going to tell me you're going to run the wing tee like some of these other coaches? <laughs> oh no, no, that I've had on here. <laughs> Absolutely, no, no, no. I, I, I've been, I've been in the spread offense as a player and coach now since 2000 and 2006, 2007. I've, I played in, I played in this offense in college at Saint Xavier, and then ever since I've been coaching. Uh, you know, at, in my high school coaching career, every team I've been at, we've run a version of the spread and, and, and all that with the, you know, p- spread and power zone run scheme. So I'm definitely a a zone running uh, gap scheme uh, run offense. And then uh, I like the I like the spread offense. I like widening that was spreading guys out and going into the three by three by one you know get a little empty in there go two by two spread them out i've been a big fan of using you know the tight end and the and the wing and that's what we started doing this past year when i when i went to hinsdale we were they they were big with the tight end so i think that that's a nice little wrinkle to add in and and uh definitely not opposed to throwing the ball you know but i i always love when we get on a when you can get on a roll as an o-line and as an offense and pounding you know pounding power running inside zone wide zone field you know a nice 12 play 80 yard drive that takes about you know eight minutes off the clock that's uh those are the nice drives you see <laughs> yeah uh, the coaches I, I i was on a podcast with a coach from virginia they all love their wing tee stuff and, and you know i just love <laughs> offense so I'll, I'll watch that stuff i'm not opposed to watching it and you know it is good stuff if i want to learn how to run certain run plays i'm gonna go talk to guys like that right to figure out how you block it but I just don't like seeing the bashing of like, you know, wing T sucks. I don't like seeing how spread teams are soft. Right. Um, but I just want to make sure you were a spread guy. I knew I liked you. I knew that uh, <laughs> you liked the spread. Oh yeah. Cause that's and all, I, that's all I've been around for the past couple of years. Yep. And I, and I love watching some, you know, those clips you watch the film, like you said, of the old wing T or I formation football, you, you definitely like that stuff, but uh, I definitely enjoy, you know, throwing the rock a little bit. So, <laughs> so if you had one, run play to pick to be your number one run play that's your bread and butter that's the one that you know if it's third and one or third and two fourth and one you're going to call it which one would it be 
Oh, you know, I, the, the easy choice has always been, I've always been a power guy ever, ever since, uh, you know, running that play myself and then coaching it, that power play has been, has, uh, you know, nice old little guard, you know, power, you know, get the wing, get the wing in there. So I would say power is my, is definitely the, my go-to play. Although this year, you know, I've been watching a lot of the, the, the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans and, that wide zone play is, is becoming a, a favorite of mine, but I'm going to stay with the steady, true power for now, but definitely the wide zone is creeping up as well. <laughs> yeah. Mine was always power. And then at every school I've been at, we kind of ran inside zone, but I always like power. Then I got to Lombard East. We ran inside zone. That was our bread and butter. You know, we ran quarterback power, but we ran inside zone all the time. Mm-hmm. So I fell back in love with it. Then I get to East Aurora power read was our bread and butter. So then I kind of came back. I came back to power. Uh, we tried to run outside zone. I told him to scrap it about week four just because it wasn't working. And so we didn't practice it. And by damned, you know, week six or seven, our quarterback audibles to it and we score a 40 yard touchdown. <laughs> and I said, we didn't practice it for two weeks or so. And we just ran it perfectly. So I said, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> practice this wide zone stuff anymore. We just weren't getting up the field. We were going too much side yeah. to side. You know, there, there was more side to side instead of, you know, you trying to get up the field. They were just trying to go to the sideline. Right. So I just said, I just said, scrape it. You know, we'll do inside zone power and trap. Just, just keep it simple. Right. Um, so which offense do you like better? You like Mike Leach's or like a Gus Manzon or a Gus's down at Auburn? You know, I just because, you know, I, and I, I used to see, a little bit more Leach's stuff, and obviously I've looked at it on film. You see some Leach stuff, uh, but you know now since he was at Washington State, you know it was always harder to watch it live. I've always been a fan of Gus Malzahn's down at Auburn. Uh, just seeing you know that this their commitment of, of with running the ball, and then he comes up with those great formations. And you know I used to try to incorporate some of those formations. I'd watch a, an Auburn game on Saturday, and then I'd try to put the formation in the the next Monday when I was coaching the sophomores I'd come up with their like diamond trick formation that they'd run and all that stuff so I definitely I would lean toward Malzahn's but you know Mike Leach the the pirate is always another good one to watch as well yeah I I think you can incorporate that stuff I love watching Auburn run the football but I think you can incorporate air raid stuff because I think it's easy Mm -hmm. uh people People that run the wing tee don't understand that Mike Leach has the same thing. It's an if-then situation. If they do this, well, I'm going to do this. Um, and Mike Leach believes in his wide receivers blocking. If people don't read his books or read what he says, he tells them, if you're not going to block, believe it or not, you're not getting the ball. I will yep. not throw you the football. I will throw it to somebody else. Uh, so, Coach, I know you got a family. I took all your time. Um, that's all the questions I had. That's all the questions I had. Uh, we need to get together sometime. I need to find you sometime during this COVID thing. But uh, I always leave it for the coaches at the end for any final thoughts they have to say anything at all. So floor is yours. Okay. I mean, yeah, no, I was, I'm definitely glad we were able to connect. And I know we've been talking about this and we've been going back and forth and just never made it happen until today. So I'm definitely glad we were able to connect and talk for a little bit and get to know each other a little bit more. Um, you know, like you said, with COVID, it kind of threw a wrench in all of our all of our plans. And I know you're probably like me, we're we're trying to figure out this new this new normal right now with 
without football in the fall. It's kind of been weird. You know, today would have been uh, game number one. So not having a game to coach tonight is still kind of in my in the back of my head all day today. So, you know, we're just trying to get through this. And like, hopefully we're hopefully we're all uh, full steam ahead come uh, come March and uh, we're able to play football. And uh, there's my daughter now. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we keep some good news and, and everything keeps changing here today and we get better in terms of this COVID and hopefully we're able to play in, in the Mar- in March. You know, that'd be, that's what I'm hoping for. You know, we keep seeing good news where the NFL is good. College football, uh, the Big Ten now today was talking about how they're now looking at playing again thanks, around Thanksgiving. So the more good news, the better, I guess, so we can, we can get some games in and, and play in the spring and at least get our seniors the opportunity to one last chance on the field. That That's kind of what I'm hoping for. So, uh, But, yeah, like I said, if we can get together one day, you know, we'll get together once this is all passed. I'd love to sit down with you and talk some more football. This has been fun. Yeah, that, that's the thing with this with uh, quarantine. You know, you could do stuff like this, meet people on social media. So, guys, use social media for good. You can meet people this way. I know it's not the way we all grew up, but that's kind of what it is now. And you were up a good point. In Illinois, tonight would have been our first game, and I thought about that this morning. Uh, we went back to school in the building to do some work, and so I got my mind off of it. But, you know, yeah, we were supposed to play tonight. You know, we would have been game planning. We would have been – we were on a bus right now or, or whatever we had to do. Uh, so February 15th is Illinois' first practice. Hopefully we get back on the field at some point. Uh, you know, Indiana's playing. Good luck to them. And all the other states around us are playing tonight. Uh, if you guys can watch them, go check them out. But, Coach, I appreciate you coming on here. It was a long time coming. Um, Coach does have his own podcast. Um, if you want to drop that for people to go check it out, I know it's hard to do, but you got one out there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Like, I, uh, like you said, I, I do have a podcast. Uh, I do it every – don't do it as, as regular as I'd like, but uh, it's the Coach McHugh Show podcast. You can find it uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Spotify, on Anchor, anchor.fm as well. Uh, you know, every once in a while I'll throw an episode out there and, uh, you know, hopefully I can get it to the point where, like you, Coach, you know, I'll get some guests on. I'll maybe get you on the show one time and able to keep it rolling. But uh, – but definitely, I had a lot of fun today. This was great. Um, and uh, maybe I'll come able to come back one time and do it again as we get closer to our seasons. Yeah, so guys, go check uh, out his stuff. He's got some good stuff. And I know that when stuff gets back to normal, he'll grow it. Uh, yeah, I'd love to come on there sometime. I know we have busy lives, but I'll get on there at some point. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time. And guys, till next time, stay safe. And we'll see you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.